Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Bobby. Today, I'm having coffee with Dr. Mary Kay Holmes. She is a number one international best-selling six-time author, UN ambassador, attorney, motivational speaker, podcast host, magazine publisher, mentor, and certified life coach. She has done it all and also been through it all. She is living out her assignment to inspire everyone she encounters. Described as the comeback queen, she is determined to share the good news that you can come back from every setback. As a survivor of domestic abuse, molestation, rape, human trafficking, prostitution, incarceration, and multiple suicide attempts, Dr. Holmes is a sought-after, trusted authority on life after adversity and women's empowerment and speaks from her heart concerning real-life issues that plague women all over the globe. Mary Kay, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I wish I had got my coffee out. It's a little bit late in the day for me to have coffee, but I would have drank some for you. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Anything you have is good. It's just coffee conversation and flow over here. So okay. what's tell us a little bit more about what's been happening in your world lately. Well, lately, you know, I've been doing a lot of speaking, a lot of virtual speaking, of course, because... COVID. So, but it's been wonderful because from the comfort of my home, I've been able to just jump on some events and jump on some Facebook lives and Instagram and Clubhouse and, you know, all sorts of platforms and be able to just spread hope and provide inspiration through sharing my story. So that's a lot of what's been going on lately. My, my, my profession, you know, I work um, as a tax attorney for an insurance and investment firm. So during the day, uh, my time is dedicated to that. But at the same time, I find ways to just sneak in there. So, some of my passions and being able to do things like this, where I'm just, just really just doing the thing that I love to do, which is to spread hope and inspiration. And that is so key and so vital, especially at times like these, where we've sort of been disconnected from the real world and we need that extra bit of shining light and hope and inspiration to keep our days going, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. We need that, especially now more than ever, because you know, being, uh, you know, working from home and a lot of people, you know, quarantining and, you know, sheltering in place, sometimes it, it can be challenging, but at the same time, you know, virtual spaces like this and podcasts like this and being able to tune in uh, and, you know, just kind of, it, it takes us away for a moment. It takes us to another space and we need this. So I'm, I'm grateful for opportunities and platforms like this, because we, we all, as much as we can get, you know, the, the more, the better. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. Well, why don't you dive in a little bit into your story, because it's so unique. And I think there's so many people out there that can relate to it and see how you've come back from all of these setbacks early on. Right. Yeah. Well, as you heard in the introduction, and I really appreciate that, um, that wonderful introduction, Bobby, that was, you know, it really sums it up it, that I've been through a lot of trauma. I've been through a lot of setbacks in life. And some of them have been very, very hard, just to just put it plainly, just, you know, a lot of things that I've gone through, a lot of people, they look at what I've been able to survive and they wonder how in the world did you survive all of that and not look like any of that has ever happened to you. And really, I just, I'm just so grateful because 
to be where I am now, it's not the it's not the story that you hear often uh, of survivors. Um, so I'm aware of that, but I want it to be more common. I want that to be more often the story for survivors. I want people to look at me and say, you know what? Yes, what happened to me um, was horrible. Yes, I went through some horrific traumatic events. Yes, some, there were some horrible things done to me. There were some things that I went through that I wish I never had to experience, but now I can take ownership of my life. I can take control of my destiny and I can move forward because if she did it, I know that I can. I have someone who is a testimony, a witness that you can come out of it better. So, um, you know, as you heard, I've gone through, it started when I was four years old, really as far back as I can remember anyway. Um, even going back even further than I, I don't often talk about this um, just because of time, you know, time constraints. I, I don't get a chance to really go in, in depth about it. But even before I was born, um, my mother, I didn't know my dad for years. I just found out who my dad was last year, last October. Wow. I found out who he is. But my mother, she's she passed away in 2007. So I never got a chance to find out from her who he was, but I was able to find out through ancestry DNA. Um, I, you know, I did a DNA test and I found um, a sister. And through finding my sister, it opened the floodgates of all types of family, more sisters. And ultimately, of course, they share with me who our dad is. And unfortunately, he passed away, um, you know, as well. So I never got a chance to meet him personally. But to know who he is has brought me a sense of identity. But that's recent, right? So growing up and all throughout my adulthood years, I had never knew my dad. I had I didn't have that relationship with him. So I didn't know if I was abandoned. I didn't know if he didn't want me. I didn't know if I just didn't know. So I'm sure even before the molestation happened, I was already dealing with some effects of that that I really couldn't even piece together because, or you know, really just map out in my mind what it was that I was feeling and what that void was that was in my life and not having that relationship with, with my dad. And of course I was so young, um, but it still has an impact on you. Um, so by the time I got to four and um, there was so many different things that had happened leading up to that, uh, from being kidnapped. Oh my goodness. I, I've never spoken about this publicly before, but a, a man who wanted to be my father signed my birth certificate, but shortly after he left my mother. However, he came back when she was sick um, and I was still a baby and he kidnapped me and took me uh, to South Carolina. The police were able to find me and they brought me back to my mother, but my mother was in this like catatonic state where she had to be put into uh, some sort of facility to get better. But meanwhile, I was sent back to the South to live with my aunt. And during that time, all, all sorts of things started to happen. But with, for the sake of time, I'll kind of go, go right up to when I was four years old and boom, an older male relative is molesting me from four to five. And then all of a sudden I'm in elementary school and I'm having very uh, sexual thoughts and behaviors, things that no kid should ever experience and have to think about. But that was my reality. And I thought it was normal because it happened so much in my family that I thought it happened to everybody. I, I, did, I thought this was normal. I thought it was not, I knew there was something wrong I knew that, there, that it was something wrong and I knew that I should tell somebody, but I kept it a secret because I was afraid of getting into trouble because I thought I was a willing participant. And this really led to me being promiscuous at a very early age. For example, I lost my virginity at 12. And by the time I was 14 years old, I was pregnant. 
And at the age of 15, I met a 36 year old man who human trafficked me. And he vetted me out. He had watched me for months. And then finally he made his move and pretty much seduced me with money and with the, the, um, with the hopes of getting out of poverty and not being a statistic, so to speak. I wanted to you know, get out of the, the life of living on food stamps and, you know, living, living uh, without means, you know, without having access to new clothes and, you know, going to school, wearing the latest stuff, the things that pretty much any teenager thinks about. But at that time, you know, he was flashing cash and sending me on shopping sprees. So I went from shopping in the Goodwill to buy name brand clothes to, being able to buy whatever I wanted and eat out and for the first time in my life and experience what I thought was the good life. But that's how he was able to rope me in. And uh, fast forward after seven years of abuse and being trapped under his control and manipulation and being brainwashed, I escaped from that only to run into the arms of a pimp. So I was re-victimized and he had me prostituting and dancing in strip clubs. And so it really was like jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. And I was out there pretty much off on my own, but after making money, I had to turn all of this over to this man who was abusing me, who was manipulating me and controlling me, just like I had just come out of for the past seven years. And fortunately I was one day, a light bulb just went off and I said, I have to get out of this. And so I changed my phone number, got rid of my previous phone, just changed, you know, just moved all of a sudden out of the blue, um, just to be able to escape from this lifestyle. And I was able to get myself and my kids um, out of there. And then from that point forward, my life started to slowly change, but I had a lot of issues that I hadn't unpacked yet. I had a lot of damage, a lot of trauma that I hadn't dealt with. I, I didn't know to, you know, seek out therapy I, at that time. I didn't know that I had some, I didn't have anyone that I thought that I could turn to. And so I began to act out some of those old behaviors and, you know, really just try to self-medicate and cope. And social anxiety was, it was really bad for me at that time. I would get really nervous around people. I was afraid to look people in the eye. I would walk around with my shoulders hunched. My best friend at the time, she called me, she would call me Eeyore. <laughs> she would call me Eeyore because she said I always had this look like, you know, woe is me. <laughs> and, you know, it, that was the reality. I really would walk around like literally looking down because I was afraid of people. And that, that was some of the after effects of the um, abuse. And so it got to the point where I was very depressed and Multi, after multiple suicide attempts, um, trying medication to get over the depression and the social anxiety, um, I used to have to drink um, a little bottle of alcohol before I would go into places where I had to be around people just to be able to try to get myself together. And it just, it just went into this downward spiral. And eventually I landed in prison just from some really horrible decisions that I was making at the time because I was so damaged. But it was in prison that it just seemed like I was able to get stable. I was able to get myself together um, and pause from life long enough. I mean, there were some horrific things that happened in prison. There were some horrific conditions and um, I'm not sure how much you want me to get into that, but you know, there was things I had to deal with even in there um, 
But coming out, it was like I had paused from life long enough to start to get settled in my mind as far as what do you want to do? It was in prison that I developed, I suddenly had the vision and the foresight to start a nonprofit organization so that when I came out, I can help young girls so they would never wind up in the situations that I had been in. And when I was released from prison, I hit the ground running and my life completely just shifted. It was like confetti just burst out of me. And I just knew, number one, I was never going back. And number two, that I was in control of my life and I absolutely could take charge of my destiny. And that's exactly what I did. I love that because you mentioned so much right there, especially like how traumatizing it is. And it was for you at such an early age. And you're just in this environment day in, day out. And that's all that you knew up until, you know, the time that you decided to leave and, you know, ultimately getting into prison, you know, you have to unpack that trauma. And as you have throughout your life now, you want to speak a little bit on that because there are a lot of people that have trauma in their life. It may not be the same things that you have gone through and they just bury those emotions down. And then they always seem to like resurface later in life. If you don't learn how to deal with them, what were some of the ways that you learned how to deal with those traumas and to let them go? Well, one of the main ways was, you know, when, when you're in prison, you have to, you're assigned a counselor and um, it, it's like a combination of uh, personal counseling and career counseling, things that prepare you for the outside, prepare you to return back into society. Um, but interesting enough, <laughs> this one counselor and to this day, I, I got keep reminding myself, I got, I have to send her a gift. I have to send her something. Uh, but she would call us by our first names, something as simple as that. She would call us by our names. We weren't a number. Um, the guards had a, a, a I, I guess they couldn't get too personal, get too close. So they would do, do certain things and it made you feel less than human. But for the first time I encountered someone who referred to me by my name and she would always put, put Miss before. So Miss Mary, you know, and she would refer to me and she would prepare me for what was gonna happen when I was released. So that was like one of the first steps. It was like, look, I have someone who's supporting me. I know this is her job, but the way that she's doing her job, she's, she's conducting herself in a way that really feels like she cares about what happens to me beyond these prison walls. And it really sparked something in me. I knew that, look, if I can just surround myself with people who are trained to do this, <laughs> you know, I didn't look at it like a negative thing, like, oh, she's just doing her job. No, this is her job. She loves what she does. Yes, she's in this particular environment, she, but this is the job that she chose to do and she loves it. Like, you know, it, I, I just love when people, when it doesn't matter if you're mopping floors, when you have a joy about what you do, it, I just, it just sparks something in me. And so when I left my, my parole officer, she um, got me set up with all types of services and resources to help me reacclimate back into society, which was a huge help. And one of those services was free counseling. So she set me up with a licensed therapist and I would go every single week. Um, I believe it was two times a week I was going to see this therapist and just being able to talk my trauma out and talk about what I had gone through, talk about what caused, what led up to this and start to piece together my life with this awesome angel um 
the blessing was that, you know, she was, she was absolutely, she made a big impact on my life, but it was also because, you know, it was free because, you know, it was one of the services that were provided as a, as a um, result of my uh, incarceration. So I, I always look at the silver lining and everything, you know, no, I don't like the fact that I ended up here because of incarceration, but because of incarceration, I have access to this service that I would have never sought out on my own. And I had to do it because it was a condition <laughs> of my parole. But being, but being able to do that was such a blessing. And again, it was like having a moment to really pause and unpack. And so therapy, you know, the impact that that counselor made on me um, before I was released and the therapy afterwards was absolutely a huge catalyst and me being able to move forward in my life. Um, so once I found, once I got out, I, within two weeks, I was able to start working because of another person who made a huge impact on my life, which was my former boss, someone that I had worked for. His name is John. And John was this older Irish man who was probably the closest thing that I had to a father. He grew, he like really just set me up for success. And I was working in the hotel industry prior to this under his, um, he was my, my, my general manager. Mm -hmm. And I went from working the night audit to uh, working uh, front desk and then going from that to being sales manager to director of marketing. And then I was a GM at another hotel under his leadership. And so when I returned home, he was one of the first people that I reached out to. And he said, okay, I got an opening. I'm, I'm a GM at a hotel um, in, in Queens, right across from LaGuardia Airport. Do you want the job? It's yours. It's director of housekeeping. And I said, yes. And from that day forward, it's like he, he continued to take me under his wing and just really set me up for some great success. I went from there to working um, in Manhattan as a, um, as a housekeeping manager. And so it, it was people like him, like my, my former boss, John, um, who unfortunately passed away last year, right before COVID hit. And it really devastated me, but I'm so grateful that I was able to be there for him in his final um, months leading up to him passing away, but it was a blessing to just go and spend time with him and sit with him and talk with him and pay it forward and, and, and to let him know before he passed the impact that he had in my life and how much he meant to me. Um, and it, it, it's people like that, that really is what I have to attribute that shift for me. Um, people that God placed in my life and whatever the reasons that they came in, I'm just so grateful that they were there uh, because I, I just don't know how soon and how sudden I would have been able to make that pivot um, without a great support system. So I would say to people that have gone through things, you know, find that support system, find your tribe. And it might not be the traditional, uh, you know, players, so to speak, the, the tradition, the people that you would normally think about. It might not be your close friends and family. It might not be, you know, that person that knew you since childhood. It might not be that relative. It might be someone that, you find on psychology today by finding a therapist. <laughs> it might be a boss that just pours into you. It might be a colleague, it, it, who knows? It could just be someone that you encounter, but hold on to those moments and hold on to those lessons that you glean from them because they, they can just cause your life to just change for the better and in ways that you would never imagine. Um, and it can come from the most unlikely sources. I love that. And people are definitely a godsend into your life. And I am a firm believer, you know, the people that you need will always be there. And 
like you said, like they come from all different aspects that you would have never imagined. And looking back on my life, and I haven't been through the same things you've been through at all, but there are times where, you know, I talk to everybody and then the next thing I know, somebody, you know, took a chance on me and he's like, why don't you come out to Santa Barbara? You'll love it in Santa Barbara. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll come visit. And he was, owns a winery out there and was like, I need some help with marketing. Come out, you do photography, like get to know everybody, see where it takes you. And it was like people like that who take a chance on you, you end up becoming friends for life and they get you where you need to be into those other circles. And you just look back and you're like, I could have never have gotten there on my own. And that's the same for you. And people who are listening are like, why in the world would I, you know, why would this person take a chance on me? Or why should I have this conversation? This sounds too far out there and crazy. Like, have it. It's like, you never know where it's going to take you and where you need to be and you need their support. Right. You never know. You like, you literally, you just never know because people, people have a way of just like, there's some people in this life. I, I just really believe it just, just angels. They have a way of tapping into something in you. Um, and it can come from someone who's just, who's the least familiar with you, but they just pick up on something. There's just something about you that connects you. And those are like those divine connections where if you, if, if you don't take advantage of that, if you don't hold on to those connections um, in a way that you, you know, utilize them, so to speak, um, it can pass you by so quickly because you think that it has to come from someone who's, who's known you, who's known you for years, someone who, who knows everything about you, but it could be someone who just comes along and like you said, they just take a chance and you don't know why you're connecting at the moment, but dots are being connected and one thing, just one door just leads to another. And before you know it, you can look back and say, see how it was all working together somehow. Um, I can't, look, there, I have so many stories like that, but just to give you one, there was uh, an opportunity that I had um, to go to St. Thomas back when I was very, very broken and depressed. And I was still trying to come out of that trauma um, back then. It was 2008. And I was so depressed then but a friend of mine uh who had who i just become friends with said hey you know my mom she has a house in st thomas her and her boyfriend live there um let's just let's i'm, I'm going there do you want to come with us and i was like yes i need to get away i absolutely <laughs> need to go i'll take the sunshine i'll take the beach yeah right. who's gonna say no right so <laughs> i said listen the, the flight the, the plane ticket was cheap so i said absolutely we go there and her mother introduces us naturally to her boyfriend who they live in this beautiful house. I mean, when I say this house is gorgeous, it's on the, it's in the mountainside where it's overlooking the, the water where you see the cruise ships. There's everything you can imagine about living on an island, like, you know, mango trees in the backyard, pool, and oh my goodness. So we're living it up. And I'm sitting uh, in the house talking to her mom's boyfriend, uh, Jim. And so Jim is telling me the business that he's in and how he's been able to create his wealth. And so he's in finance and he has a company uh, based in New York and in St. Thomas. And he's telling me all about it. And he says, listen, when you go back home, I just want, I want you to re-enroll in school. 
He said, right now, there's so many opportunities for women in finance. And he said, I want you to consider that as a career. Just consider it because there's so many doors opening right now. There's just this desire to hire women in finance. Go back home, re-enroll in school. And then he says, where do you all want to go next? Do you want to, wherever you want to fly, I'll fly, I'll charter a plane and I'll fly you there. So everyone's throwing out all of these destinations. They're thinking, oh, Costa Rica, we can go to Colombia, we can go uh, to, we, we can go anywhere, other islands, Aruba, St. Martin. And they're throwing out all of these ideas. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, I don't have a passport. And so everyone had a passport except for me because they were used to traveling. And mm -hmm. here, here it is, me, my options are limited. So either we can fly back to the States and go to, go to Vegas or someplace or Puerto Rico. Yeah. So <laughs> that was our option. So we went, we flew to Puerto Rico. He put us in the Ritz Carlton and showed us a really good time. He just sent us there and paid for everything. But because I didn't have a passport, I limited everyone's choice. And I limited everybody in my circle at that time because I didn't have my stuff together. And that's how I looked at it. And even though for me, Puerto Rico was still exciting. They had been to Puerto Rico so many times. It was, you know, they, they were like, oh, let's go to old San Juan. Even though we've been there so many times, we got so many pictures. <laughs> and, but to me, it was exciting, but I knew the impact of me leap kind of holding everyone back. So it, that affected me, but I said, but it affected me in a good way. I said, when I get back home, when I get back, oh, I'm going to get my stuff together. So I took Jim's advice. I got back home and I re-enrolled in school. And that seed was planted way back in 2008. But when I, re when, I, when I got to the point where I graduated with my associates and my bachelor's and now I'm in law school, I have an opportunity to study abroad. And whose voice comes back to me when I'm thinking about what I want to study? Jim talking to me about finance. And I said, okay, I'm in law. And the program that I can go to is in London and it's financial services law. Or I can go with Fordham Law School to Ghana and study human rights law. Now, by this time I have my nonprofit organizations, human rights law, that's my jam. I could have, I could have aced that with my eyes closed, hands tied behind my back. And I was like, Ghana is the, yes, I wanna go to Ghana and human rights law, that's right up my alley but something kept pulling me back to London for financial services law, even though to me, financial services law, oh, that's boring. It's hard. I don't want to go there and then fail. I don't, the last thing you want to do is, is wind up failing out of law. Like it's so hard. You, you don't want everything to just fall apart. I didn't want my GPA to suffer, but Jim's voice came back to me and reminded me to do the hard thing do follow this particular see what happens if you just take his advice and try financial services law so i decided to go to london instead of ghana and i studied financial ser financial services and not only did i ace both of my classes which was financial services law and international trade law but i was able to travel a whole lot over in europe uh, for those of you that have ever, um, you know, hopped around in Europe, you know how cheap these flights are when you get on these quick hops where you can just go from London to Ireland to Greece to Spain. And for 40 bucks, I'm just traveling all over the place. Um, I went to Morocco. I went to, yeah, I went to so many places. Took the train to Paris. It was wonderful. But the important thing is I aced those classes. 
and I fell in love with financial services law. Now, fast forward, had I not taken that class or those classes and gone to London, I wouldn't have come back and worked in financial services law for that summer because that was part of the program is that I had to work in that field for that summer and earn some credits. The next year, I interned at another company that I actually now work for and tried it out again because I said, you know what, maybe this was a fluke. I want to try it out again and see if I actually enjoy this. And I did. I fell in love with it. And I would not work in the field that I work now as a tax lawyer. I would not do this particular, I wouldn't practice this type of law had that seed not been planted by Jim in 2008, which was an unlikely source because I never would have met him had I not been friends with his, his girlfriend's daughter who just said one day, let's go to St. Thomas. Exactly. <laughs> the dots connect. And like we said before, these people impact lives and you don't really see it when you're in it like you're like okay yeah this is sound advice like finance okay and then years later you're saying hmm it's still pulling at me maybe there's a reason for this i gotta listen to my intuition and go for it and try it and look at you now like all of these puzzle pieces fit together and without it, you know, all of us would be broken puzzles with missing pieces everywhere. And we need each other and the angels and the people God places in our lives to be like, hey, like this is the path you need to veer off onto. It's time to go there. Right, right. He had no clue. I'm sure, I don't know what made him say it. I mean, out of the blue. You know, are you in school? No, I, I, I took the semester, re-enroll. Like what would make him say, I mean, because think about it, we're in paradise. We could be talking about anything, the weather. <laughs> we could be talking about where we're gonna do tomorrow. Let's go down to the beach. You know, oh, you know, it could be any conversation, but that particular conversation is what happened. And the important thing is, and for those of you that are listening, the important thing is that I acted on it. Now, the conversation could have happened and had I not acted on it, I would not have ended up in a place where I could have, I, I was able to benefit from and, and see the fruit of that seed being planted. So I had to take action. I had to do something with it. So when these conversations take place, pay attention to them. You know, those unlikely sources, pay attention to those, those conversations that pop up out of nowhere. And if it sits right in your spirit, if it really just resonates with you, take action because you don't know where it's leading. I had no clue. I mean, at this time, even though I had flown to St. Thomas with her, I was on unemployment. I was unemployed. I didn't have anything coming in except for my unemployment check, which was barely enough for me to survive. But I was so depressed at the time. I said, I need this. I need to get away. I need to experience life beyond you know, my surroundings and my environment. And I took a chance and I said, you know what? The, the flight is cheap. I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm, I'm just so grateful that that seed to, to me to go from that point where I was unemployed, having a seed planted in me that time that led to where I am now, as far as my employment, to me, it's like, what a way for the, for the dots to be connected, you know, to, to be able to do the things that I do now to go from struggling, because shortly after that, you know, it, it pro probably had to do with some, I know it had to do with money management, but shortly after that, I wound up homeless that Christmas. And by, by that December, this was August, I think that we went, 
to St. Thomas by that December, I was, I was homeless, living out of my car, sleeping on couches. Um, I went to my sister's house that Christmas. Um, I had asked her Christmas Eve, you know, if me and my boys can just stay there so that my kids could have some sense of Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. And she said, you can sleep on the, she said, you can sleep on the floor in the living room. She wouldn't, wouldn't even let us sleep on her couch. She wow. said, you can sleep on the floor, but you'll have to leave tomorrow. And we slept at the base of her Christmas tree with all of her kids' toys all around the tree and woke up the next day, watched her children unwrap their gifts. My, my boys had nothing. And literally I was having to take them to the library just to have a warm place to do their homework and play. And um, I'm so grateful for places like that. Um, you know, they had like a little puppet, um, a puppet show set up in the in the uh, library. So I'll put on puppet shows for them and the other kids, you know, yeah. that would give us more time at the library. Yeah, I, I had to be resourceful. <laughs> it was a dark time, but I always see the silver lining and everything. And, you know, it was unfortunate that my sister did that, that you would think that we had this horrible relationship. It just something about her just would not, uh, didn't open the door for us and didn't welcome us with, um, you know, didn't give us a warm welcome in, in spite of the fact that we were in such dire need. Mm-hmm. But whatever the reason, it doesn't matter to me. It's all a part of my story. I, it's something I had to go through. And so going from that point, and that was 12 years ago. Well, maybe, uh, yeah, about 12 years ago. I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> You'll do the attorney on the financial stuff, but don't give you the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Look, see, me, look, with tax law, all I have to do is just balance a couple of numbers. And most of it is dealing with tax law and with the the tax code and all of that stuff. The most numbers I have to know is is the different tax code. You know, I know what section 285 and 286 is, but I think it was about 12 years ago. But the interesting thing about that is that, you know, 12 years ago that happened. And I had talked about this last year as, at the close of last year, how around, you know, that time, same time I was homeless 12 years ago, but um, at the end of 2020 in the 12th month, I was able to sign a contract for 12 acres of land and, you know, be able to go into venturing into it, land investment in the 12th month of 2020 and 12 years prior, having been homeless, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful because you just never know where you're going to end up, but you do have to take the necessary steps to to get to where you want to go. But you just never know where one step, where one, one simple step, where that's going to lead because you take that one step. And then when you get there, suddenly you start to know, okay, what the next step is, but you don't see the whole picture yet, but you just know if I get to the next step, when I get there, I'll know what to do next. And that's what kept happening in my life. I just kept kept going from one step to the next. And every time I got to the next level, it would become clear to me what it was that I needed to do. And all of it ultimately led to being where I am. And I can't even imagine, you know, 12 years from now, you know, right. Doing. <laughs> Who knows? Well, first of all, Huge congrats on the lands. That is amazing. That's a story in and of itself. And I want to dive into this a little bit more because it's been on my mind a lot too of how many people always look towards the future. Okay. And like you said, it's always for you when you were in that moment, you knew what the next step was 
and that was it. Like this idea of being a corporate tax attorney was not even on your horizon. Exactly. So let's talk about how often we as a society look at like the future of 10 or 20 years down the road as this is where I need to be instead of focusing on the moments at hand and that next step where we need to be. Right. Because really like what we have is like what we have, what, what we have is our present, what we have is right now. And I think we can get so caught up in focusing on what's down the road that we forget to enjoy the moment and also learn the lessons in the moment. Because if you don't learn what you need to learn on this level, then you're going to hinder yourself and you don't know what kind, what kind of setbacks you'll experience that prevent you from moving forward. So and you, it's like really, it's, it's really important to focus on your now because focusing on your now is what's going to ultimately lead to your next. If you're only focusing on what's next, you don't have the opportunity to not only enjoy the now, but to learn the lessons in the now that's going to help you to sustain the next because we can keep trying to jump and, and jump 10 years ahead, jump five years ahead. We can keep trying to jump over the lessons. But if we do that, if we try to move forward fast, sometimes we, we miss those important lessons so that when we can get there fast, but we won't have what it takes to sustain it. We won't be able to have what it takes to maintain whatever it is that we get by trying to jump ahead and move fast so quickly, move so fast. Um, forward. And another thing is like, I, I think I've seen this, this quote circulated on social media. I don't know, hundreds of times, you know, faith is when you take the step without seeing the whole staircase, you don't have to know where it's leading, but if you just take that step, you know, that it's leading you somewhere, <laughs> you know, you yeah. know that you're going somewhere. You're not going backward. You're go you're going somewhere. And where you're going to go, the, the fun thing is that you don't know where you're going to end up. What is the fun in knowing what the prize is before you open up the box? Like, what's, what's the fun in somebody ruining the, the surprise party for you? You know, now you got to pretend as if you, you're surprised. You got to have, you got to fake the expression. It, it's not the same. It's not the same when, you know, someone tells you what they're, what what's in the box under the Christmas tree, so to speak. There's joy in waking up and taking off the ribbon and, and ripping off the wrapping paper, opening up the box and seeing what's been sitting there for the last four weeks or however long, you know, you, you put out your gifts under your tree. Now, when you finally get to the joy of opening up and experiencing it, it's, it's a whole different level of exhilaration, you know, now, if somebody ruins a surprise for you, yeah, you might be excited for a few minutes, but it just, it takes all the air out of the balloon. So for me, looking at it from that standpoint and looking at your future as like this grand prize, so to speak, you know, this, this surprise party that's waiting for you that you have no clue. And that's why I like to use the analogy that one day it was like confetti just bust out of me because Literally, I walked around so depleted and so depressed and so down to one day just being so full of life. I used to say I had no gifts, no talents, no ability. I didn't think I could do anything. I was hor I felt like I was horrible at every, I felt I was horrible at just living. I was like, I just make a mess of everything. It just seems like life is just, you know, I'm just not good at this. I used to say it all the time. I'm just not good at this thing called life. Like, what is the point? And when you get like that, it's easy to spiral out of control and not want to live. 
But one day when I started to realize everything that was in me, I started to wonder like, okay, wait a minute. If I had succeeded in taking my life, all of this wouldn't have happened. But had I known, had, had somebody told me, yeah, you're going to be a corporate tax lawyer. Yeah, you're going to own 12 acres of land. And, and I like, you know, because the 12 acres that happened after I already bought six acres in um, South Carolina and then the, bought the 12 acres in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then I had already, I had bought an investment property during the pandemic because one day I just woke up and the Lord just showed me, look for a house, look for investment property. So in the course of 2020, I was able to secure all of these acres and, and property. If somebody told me I would do that in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, I would have thought to myself like, okay, number one, you crazy. <laughs> number two, how in the world is that going to happen? And number three, I would have been so intimidated by it that I probably would have held myself back and I probably would have psyched myself out and probably not done half the things that I've done because I would have been afraid, like, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to mess it up. So I'm grateful that I couldn't see everything. And so when you try to project, when you try to predict what your future is going to be like, everything down to the T, sometimes number I think in some cases, in many cases, probably, we un undermine what is to come or we will, um, we will limit ourselves by trying to see what the future holds. Because if you just go with the flow, if you just really just follow like the path that is pretty much already laid out before you and you just have to walk it out by being you know, obedient and taking those steps and taking action in your life, um, the journey is, is enough in, in and of itself to enjoy. But if you start to try to predict what's gonna, what the outcome is gonna be exactly, you're probably gonna think too small because you have no, I, I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed. I, and the future is so much brighter and bigger than you can ever imagine. And I just wanna just plant that seed of hope in somebody. I know somebody, somebody's probably listening and thinking, ah, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, or maybe you've experienced a, a huge, uh, you know, maybe you've experienced huge success and you think you've plateaued. Okay, the best is already over. You know, I plateaued. No, just mm -hmm. keep living it's and coming. keep expecting big things and keep taking those steps and, and bigger and brighter things are going to happen. For sure. Like, you never know what's next. Like, you never know. And like you said, you can hinder yourself so much by thinking too small. And I know somebody's out here listening, like you said, like just being like, oh yeah, like I've hit it or I'm going to hit it. Like once I hit a million in sales, you know, somebody is salesperson listening, a million in sales, I'll have it made and I don't need to do anything else. Why not 10 million? You know, there are bigger things for us than our minds can even imagine. Exactly. And I on my vision board um, last year, I was creating a vision board and I printed out, you know how you print out stuff, mm -hmm. paste on it. And I printed out, um, I am a multi, hi, my name, uh, something. Uh, hi, I'm a multi-millionaire. My vision board is right over here. Yeah. And I said to myself, like, why not billionaire? And so I printed out, another. I found another one, you know, through a Google <laughs> search and no, hi, I'm a multi-billionaire. Because I was like, why am I limiting myself? Like, who know? Like, this is, look, if you don't, if you don't dream big on your vision board, then I don't know, like, you. <laughs> why do you even have a vision board? If you're not dreaming big. Right. You just, yeah, you 
go all out. Like why? Like why limit yourself? So, you know, on my vision, I have things like, look, I'm going to be interviewed by Oprah. I've got like, there's things on there where, you know, a year or two ago, I might've said, you know, this is kind of far-fetched, but now the, the more I've seen things manifest in my life that I just would have never imagined, I said, you know what? I am going to stop trying to predict what is in my future because obviously I have no clue. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to believe and take the steps that I need to take. And as I get closer to them, I'm just going to continue to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate every victory, how, no matter how small, how seemingly, you know, air quote, small, you know, it might seem to me, I'm going to celebrate every victory because I have come a long way and I deserve those celebrations. Right. And it doesn't have to be a huge celebration when you've quote unquote made it, because when do we actually make it? Mm-hmm. Like- exactly. I mean, making it is at every single level. So I'm right there with you. Like celebrate the big things, celebrate the small things, celebrate every day in the journey. Like there are great things that are happening this week for you, for me, for everybody who's listening. It's like, take a second, recognize it and don't gloss over it. Like there is joy and happiness to be found. Yes. Yep. Celebrate. It's like when you celebrate even the things like, okay, look, today I got through today and I didn't, you know, dwell on anything from my past. Nothing from my past came back to haunt me and make me feel as if, you know, okay, I'm, I don't deserve this or, you know, because that negative self-talk, it has a way of creeping back in. Look, I, people look at me and they say, okay, look, you, you, you have so many great successes. You've accomplished so much, but they don't realize that there's still this constant fight to beat back those, those past traumas and those things that try to creep back up and tell you, you're not good enough. You know, you're no good, or you're too damaged, you're too broken. Um, you know, you, you've got, you still got this fear and all of these things. And I have, in some days it's, it, it's harder than others. So when I have a day where I didn't let that get me down, even for a few minutes or even for a second, I celebrate that. Like to me, that that's cause for celebration because I went through this entire day with with a smile on my face and I was happy. I had joy, you know, even even just this is one of my goals, remembering to smile because I can work. So I I work a lot. I work. (laughs) I work very hard and uh, I can get so, you know, caught up in my work that sometimes I forget to just enjoy life. So when I can pause and take a moment, put on some music and dance in my living room, or, you know, just remember to smile throughout the day, even when there's nothing necessarily prompting me to smile, but I just do it because I need my brain to understand that, look, no, even if there's no reason to smile, the brain still doesn't know. So the brain is like triggered and thinking, okay, look, she's happy about something. So (laughs) it starts to manifest. (laughs) So just doing things like that is for me, it's like, okay, celebrate that because you are overcoming every time you remember to enjoy life, period. So celebrating the fact that I'm celebrating (laughs) is another reason to celebrate that that makes sense. I love it. I'm all for it. Like happy dances in the bedroom, jamming to the music, you know, it can really transform your outlook for the day, self-esteem, you know, and get us into these better mindsets and better moods. And it's so vital because like you said, if you forget to smile or pay attention to somebody's comment that your work really impacted their lives, like that's something to celebrate. Yes. And if we don't celebrate those moments and just gloss over them, then it's just become sort of like the mundane everyday thing. And you're like, no, life shouldn't be like this. We need the variety. We need the spontaneity. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We need the spontaneity. I'm a structured person. I'm a systems person. I, I'm the type of person where I'm an overthinker. And so my husband has to remind me sometimes, like, look, don't get old on me. And he'll say, <laughs> he'll say things like, you know, remember to smile. It's okay to laugh and, you know, take a break. And, you know, so it, th- those are the moments where, you know, I'm like, okay, yes, I can sell, I can, cause I can be so serious. So celebrate the fact that you just celebrated you know, so yeah, we, we need those moments of spontaneity where they just pe- pepper throughout our day, our day. We're in between all the working and doing all, you know, crossing every T and dotting every I, you know, taking a break just to do something spontaneous. Like today, it was nice out. We live in New York and it's been cold, of course, uh, but today it was nice. And so my husband, he says, come outside, just, you know, take a break, come outside and see how nice it is. And just going outside and staying out there longer than I anticipated to me, it was like, okay, that's a, that's progress. You know, I didn't rush back in, you know, I stayed out, you know, I did start to clean out my trunk. <laughs> I couldn't help but do some work. I was like, I got to make the most use out of this. Right. Yeah. So, but I did it. I, I, I went outside. Yes. <laughs> Take those small moments. To, I call them like sprinkles throughout the day. Like sprinkles, yes. Sprinkles. Like, you know, as a kid, you had the ice creams and Sundays, and you, the kids just pour sprinkles, more sprinkles than there are ice cream, but just <laughs> add it through life. Like, we need it. We need that joy to come back. And sometimes it takes people sort of pushing us, you know, whether it's going outside. I'm that person who's like, come on, the sun's shining. We got to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things really matter. Yes. Mary, this has been a blast chatting with you today. As we begin to wrap up, what's one of the biggest blessings in your life over this past year? Wow, I have so many that I can think of. Um, But one of the biggest blessings is, I got to say my husband, you know, he's been an awesome support system. He has, and a lot of people I understand, you know, being uh, quarantined inside the house with your spouses has been probably the most you have been around your spouse in who knows how long. And so I know that it didn't work out well for a lot of people. Let's just be honest. But I'm just grateful that it did work out well for us. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of time together when I was in school, dry, uh, commuting down and down to um, the city and, you know, where I, where I was going to school and where he worked. Uh, was very close by so we were able to commute together and come home together and you know so we spent a lot of time on that commute it's a um, almost a two-hour commute one way so you can imagine how much time is spent on (laughs) the train in New York Um, so we got a chance to really spend a lot of time together already and with the pandemic happening and again you know like I mentioned I always see the silver lining in everything I wish COVID never happened I wish we never had to endure this pandemic But one of the biggest blessings that came out of that is me and my husband being able to spend time together and really just start to enjoy life in a way that we hadn't before, you know, working on the house, renovating, um, getting some work done around the house and and also just taking the time to just take some drives together um, and having that downtime and having him constantly around me to remind me to have fun, to take some pauses, take some breaks, because if he was off at work and I'm working in my own, you know, we were, if I was working in the office, it would be a whole different story. But, you know, me working from home, if he was not here to remind me, I probably would just work, work, work all day long. And if I was single, oh, I definitely, oh my goodness, (laughs) I can only imagine how much I would get done. (laughs) 
but that wouldn't be a good thing. That would not, it sounds good, but it's not. It would have taken a toll on me. And while I could probably look back over years and see all of these great opportunities that have sprung up from it and all of these things that I've been able to build and grow over the years, what toll would that have taken on me mentally and physically? You know, what kind of stress would I have placed on myself if I had overdone it? And oh boy, I can overdo it. But he has been there to ground me and remind me to take a break, to have fun. And it's because of him that I have all of these nice little quotes around my office that say things like smiling is good for the soul and, uh, you know, uh, laugh often is right in front of me. Uh, make good use of today, which is probably not helping with, with my work uh, ethic. What is it? <laughs> make good use of today. Uh, behind me, you see it says she's more precious than rubies. Um, you know, and then I have, you know, things that say, um, you know, rise and grind, which again is not helping my work ethic. You know, it, it pushes me, but it also says things like, you know, take a break today. You deserve it. And it's things like that, that I'm just grateful for. It sounds like small things, but they're everything. That is by far one of the biggest blessings. When you have a support system like that and a relationship and a partner spouse in your life that can just be like meshed together, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. Feels good. Yes, for sure. Mary Kay, where can we find out more about you, social media, website, et cetera? Well, my website is marykayhomes.com. Very easy. It's just my name, marykayhomes.com. And my social media, all social media platforms are Hear Mary Speak. So um, you see it right behind me, <laughs> Hear Mary <laughs> Speak. And on Clubhouse, Mary Kay Holmes um, is my username on Clubhouse. If you have an iPhone and you're, you have the app, uh, it's been a wonderful place to uh, meet new people. And so if you want to meet me there uh, and find out the things that I'm doing and the rooms that I might be in and speaking in, and you can go to my Facebook page, which is also Hear Mary Speak. Um, so facebook.com backslash Hear Mary Speak. Um, and if you would like to shoot me an email, if you're just not a social media person and you are just old school like me, where I like to communicate through email sometimes instead of the DMs, email me at info at marykhomes.com. And you can find all of Mary Kay's info wherever you're watching or listening to this episode. It will be in the show notes and the captions so you can connect with Mary Kay. She is absolute godsend. And I can't thank you enough for joining us today and sharing your story and just giving us all a little bit of more hope and inspiration in our world and in our life that we need. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I, I just, um, I'm excited because I, I can't wait to go back and listen to this because I'm, I'm inspired all over again. So thank you for this opportunity. You're so welcome. And for everybody who is listening and watching this episode today, I just want to leave you with this. Take a step back and take a second to pause. Focus on the steps that are right in front of you and that step that you need to take and stop focusing like so far down the road because you don't even know where that staircase is going. And I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And this has been another episode of Coffee with Bobby and today's guest, Dr. Mary Kay Holmes. Thank you so much.